0: joey gallop welcome in to the nsfw dynasty podcast once again i'm your host dave reed joined by my co-host ryan wilkinson hey guys good to be back that's right unfortunately we don't have joey here right now uh it is around thanksgiving we're two days out and uh the holidays have a way of kind of taking over your life these time, uh, this time of year, so it's unfortunate Thanksgiving's uh, taking over right now, but it's all right. We, we got this pod, right, Rye? Yeah, Joe and
1: I have been uh, switching week to week here, but hopefully we'll get both of us back on next week.
0: And uh, I don't know. I'm your rock. I'm, I'll be here every week. He's always here. I'm always here. <laughs> I'm always here. Uh, I, I got the software, so I have to be, but uh, <laughs> but as I mentioned, Thanksgiving is this week, and that means it's a super long week of football to really drag out some of the most decisive matchups in your uh, Dynasty and Fantasy Leagues. There are three games on Thursday, one game on Friday, on Black Friday, 11 on Sunday, and one final matchup on Monday. There are no teams on by this week. Which is ridiculous because then we have six teams on by next week, which is pretty brutal when you're trying to get a, a playoff spot.
1: Yeah, for sure. A huge pivotal week of fantasy football. Everyone has their full lineup. So, you know, no excuses, and we'll see how it plays out.
0: Yeah. Most leagues only have about three games left uh, before the playoffs start. So you're really trying to get into the playoff, your last playoff spot. And in our league, and we'll get into it more later, but. Uh, We have divisions, we have three divisions, and the first three weeks of the season and the last three weeks of the season, you play your division and the winner of your division automatically gets into the playoffs. So it's going to be a slugfest over these last three weeks. How are you feeling about that, Ry?
1: Yeah, I'm pretty nervous. We're right in the middle of it. So I think you're feeling a little more comfortable than we are. But uh, yeah, it should be a good three weeks. I
0: think a lot's going to change. You know, I never feel comfortable. I (laughs) I have some of the worst luck uh, when it comes to (laughs) some fantasy. So even with this lead, if I lose out, I could probably get the boots still. Yeah, I mean,
1: you can never feel comfortable in fantasy football in
0: general. So I don't. I've had uh, I've some uh, PTSD on, on some losses as recent as last year, but for, before that, we're going to get into quickly hit up some of the injuries that happened this past week because we have some some major ones, and and these are really going to derail some fantasy teams and some real NFL teams as well. So the first one, it's the biggest one. It was on Thursday night. Is Joe Burrow? He uh, he's having season-ending lig- uh, ligament surgery. He, uh, on his throwing wrist too, which you don't want to see. We all saw it uh, when he came out. Uh, did not look good. Uh, I mean, he should be back next year, but that has major implications across the board. Uh, Geno Smith had an elbow contusion on his throwing arm. He's currently to today, but they play on Thursday. So, it's a little if he's gonna if he's gonna be able to play on Thanksgiving or not, um, and and that has a lot of implications as well. Um, on the same team, Kenneth Walker had an oblique strain and actually left the game. It's, it sounds like it might be a grade one oblique strain, which means he should only miss one to two weeks. Um, but he's definitely gonna miss Thursday this week uh, versus San Francisco, which opens up the door for Charbonnet. Aaron Jones has an MCL sprain; he's likely gonna miss multiple weeks. He's also on the older side, um, so you. This is kind of becoming a lost season for him, and who knows what his career looks like moving forward. My boy, Devon Achan, came back after waiting so long and immediately left. Uh, he re-aggravated his knee injury. Sounds like it wasn't too bad, uh, but they were playing it cautious since it was the same knee that he hurt and he missed time for. Uh, but they play on Friday, so again, we'll see if they play uh, play cautious and, and make him sit. But it sounds like he should should have missed more than one week so far. Salvin Ahmed, which surprised me today, uh, is he's done for the season with a foot injury, which is crazy because it came in after H M went down and looked pretty good, but he's done. Uh, Deontay Foreman left the game with an ankle injury, opened up the door for Khalil Herbert to get a lot of play. Um, Cooper Cup had a low ankle sprain early in the game again; he might miss a week. It sounds doesn't sound too serious. He could play this week. It's something to monitor. Um, but with Cup, this just this is like the ride with him apparently. Um, but that opened up the door for Puka Nakua to have a big day, but apparently he left the game, uh, had a shoulder shoulder injury later in that game as well, and he's day-to-day too, so you got to monitor that. Odell had a pretty big game as well uh, on Thursday, but he had an AC joint sprain, so it sounds like he should play, but we'll see if it hinders him. But even bigger in that game, as well as Mark Andrews had a high ankle sprain, likely out for the rest of at least the fantasy season. He could maybe come back for the NFL playoffs, but... That's a major, major blow, especially in our league where it's tied in premium. But any of these major injuries stick out to you, Ry?
1: Yeah, so obviously Joe Burrow is the biggest one. Such a roller coaster of a season if you're a Burrow owner. He started week one, didn't look like himself the first few weeks. We talked about whether or not he would be a QB1 this year. Decided it kind of depended on how he looked after the bye week actually came back and looked great after the bye week looked healthy, started playing well and then hurt his wrist. And like you said, he looked like he was in pain, so it it didn't look good. Um, Done for the season now definitely hurts uh, if he's your QB, but hopefully at this point he just takes the time, gets healthy and comes back for next season. And then the other huge one is definitely Mark Andrews. Like you said, tight end premium league. Um, You know, there, there wasn't too many tight ends at the top, but he was definitely one of them. So uh, losing him for the rest of the season hurts unless you have some depth at tight end and then yeah uh you know Miami running backs I uh, feel like it's just kind of a roller coaster there but what holding on somehow <laughs> uh so we'll see what happens with HN. I, I thought it was more serious than it sounds like it is so hopefully he comes back this week or next week and I need him good
0: for the rest of the season I know it's these are the – this I mean, this is the fun and the and the downside of fantasy and dynasty is, like, these injuries, especially at this point in the year where, like, every matchup matters, like, every win matters. And not only does this thing to lose a player for, like, future weeks, but when you're having a matchup and now this guy, especially, like, if it's early in the game, like, A-chan and Cup, where they each had, like, a point each, and then they're just done the rest of the game, that's basically getting goose. You're just like, how do I survive this matchup now? So you could potentially – lose because of that injury. And then it makes it so much harder going forward. But this also highlights the need in dynasty when you have the deep benches to really just like take shots on backups. Like, because it these injuries also show that there's a lot of opportunity, like Isaiah likely uh, he's going to step up for Andrews. Who knows if he's going to be the main beneficiary or if he, uh, he'll be the top tight end, but maybe they start targeting the wide receivers more, but that was a guy you were not starting at all. And you're just trying to keep in your bench. Uh, and now he can, help make you win uh, a a championship or at least give you that last playoff push. And when you're targeting trades, like, I always, whenever I'm trying to do a trade, I'm always trying to see if I can get like one or two smaller pieces that seem like they're not valuable at the time, but you see a potential path forward just cause you never know. Like these are the things that can kind of shift the the fantasy fortunes for you is the, these backups when injuries happen.
1: Yeah. And we talk about it every week and this injury list is always pretty long. I feel like we're mentioning at least 10 players a week, every single week. So a lot of backups end up pretty relevant. Like you said, Isaiah likely, I think he actually did pretty well the last time he played too. So, you know, maybe he ends up a top 10 tight end the rest of the way or something like that. So
0: It's huge to have that depth on your bench. Yeah, I mean, in Miami, obviously Mostert is still a starter, but can't just be all him. So like Jeff Wilson is back, like back from the dead. These guys, it's it's pretty pretty wild. Um, And like even Charbonnet, we've been people who drafted him as a rookie have been waiting for this opportunity, and he's been getting more and more snaps. And now this is what you like weren't exactly hoping for, but one thing you drafted him knowing that Walker could get hurt. And if he did, Charbonnet would show up and it's happening here. So yeah. uh, And honestly injuries every week. That's why we've been able to do this segment every week is because it never stops. Um, But there are some positives coming back. Uh, Kyron Williams will be playing this week uh, on week 12. So the Rams are just losing people, but at least one player is coming back and Justin Jefferson was still not positive if he's coming back. And apparently uh, so he had his 21-day window opened up from the IR that he has to be activated. Otherwise, he's done for the season. I thought it sounded like initially because he's missed two weeks that if he didn't play this week, that wouldn't be uh, the case. If, apparently, he can miss this week and then activate, be activated after this week, and they have a bye next week. So they could choose to play it really safe and make him sit one more week. Um, so we'll see what happens there. Keep an eye on there, but it, it'll be interesting if he gets in for week 12.
1: Yeah, and they're doing pretty well with Dobbs as their quarterback now. You think they probably want to get him back. So I would assume, you know, maybe they play it safe for one more week, but I think he definitely will be coming back at some point. And then Kyron Williams, uh, great that he's back. The Rams also dropped Henderson. uh, So he looks like he's going to have a full workload as soon as he gets back, which is also great. Um, You know, whenever a running back is out for that long, you got to worry if the backups end up stealing a bit of the pie going forward, but it sounds like
0: Kyron's going to have a full workload
1: from here on out. So.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, Dobbs has been great. He almost won again. Uh It's th- that story is still a but them winning is the only reason I think Justin Jefferson has a chance of coming back this, this year. Um, but yeah, I mean a few other uh, games to call out here. Uh, not, not an injury, but, A player that you're not going to be with uh, going forward. And uh, someone in our league actually traded for him right before this week. Zach Wilson has been benched finally for the Jets. And it is, it it was time. And honestly, it's not like, I think, uh, what's the guy's name? Tim Boyle, uh, who is going to be backing him up. I don't think it's going to get better. uh, But they had to finally stop believing Zach Wilson. You wish that they made this choice before the trade deadline and acquired someone like a Dobbs. Um, who was out there, or, or Winston, or literally anyone else? Um, because their offense, I, I forgot, it was like forty something possessions. They won without a touchdown. Garrett Wilson was like had negative yards before his like final catch of like the game, he, and he finished like two for nine. Brees Hall, like even on the ground, has been brutal. I think he has like a hundred and like thirty yards over the past five games total. Like he's been doing, he's been getting it done through the air, which has been keeping him as an RB one, but. Man, the Jets are just brutal there.
1: Yeah, hasn't been great. You you do have to ask the question, though, why make that decision now when you said Tim Boyle's most likely not going to be any better. If they had just made the decision a couple weeks ago, they could have had a real shot. But now I, I don't even really get it. Like, Tim Boyle's probably not that much better.
0: Yeah, I'm starting to think if Robert Sala is really, like, the coach of the future. there, like, they, they may yeah. have to move on there. He's definitely on the hot seat. Cause it's been, it's been bad. Um, yeah. And I, and I don't see Rogers coming back this year. Like what, what is he coming back to at this point? Why risk it?
1: Yeah, I know there's like been a little bit of talk about that. I would find it really hard to believe that Rogers is actually going to come back this year. Uh, yeah. Especially with the situation, you know, that's going well, on there. Risk getting hurt again. Like exactly. there's no absolute no point. No point uh, I don't know why you would. So, um, but flipping to a, a bit more, more positive, if we look at the Texans, yeah. uh, you know, Stroud, Stroud did throw three picks, um, so that wasn't great, but still put up yards and touchdowns for fantasy. Tank Dell, Dave, I know you're a huge fan, uh, 27 fantasy points, so you've <laughs> been dominating recently, and Singletary has been looking pretty good. I know there was some talk preseason that maybe he would steal a bit of a role there, but he's been looking great as the main back here now.
0: Yeah. I mean, we we did talk that Singletary could get more play than we thought. And then it didn't seem that way going in, but Pierce was not efficient at all. And then obviously get hurt and didn't seem like the run game could work at all. And all of a sudden the past two games, Singletary's blowing up and looking great. But really it's like Stroud had obviously the picks, but still a solid game. Like uh, he still threw, uh, for plenty of yards and touchdowns, but ultimately won the game. But Tank Dell again, like he is looking like a future star, um, showing out, and he's tied to Stroud going forward. He had it, and like he had the production, if not more production than all the top first round picks uh, as well. He just was at a smaller school and didn't get the draft capital. Still was the day two picks. So it was all right, but he is looking like he's probably a top five, if not a top three, wide receiver. Uh, out of this rookie class right now, and even guys you know, like Nico Collins, it looks pretty good. It's crazy because going again going into the season, it didn't seem like they had a lot of like weapons there, and they traded away this year's uh this upcoming year's first round pick to move up to get I think it was Will Anderson on the defensive side. And I was like, "All right, this team is going to be rough for years." Nope, they're currently six and four, might be in the playoffs already. So it's pretty incredible <laughs> what's going on, uh, Houston. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I was just going to say they're in the playoff hunt, which you really don't see too, too often with a rookie quarterback. So it's pretty cool to see, you know, rookie quarterback doing great, wide receivers kind of coming out of nowhere, like you said, and uh, and Singletary now looking like a great lead back. So it'll be interesting to see. I'd love to see him make the playoffs and see what they can do. Yeah, no,
0: they're exciting. And uh, so with that, uh, get me excited! Kind of want to talk about some other good players here, some other big name quarterbacks. And there's one in particular. We're going to move over to our, our weekly awards. But there's one I, I'm a little antsy because yeah, I yeah waited, it's say. You can't wait. I've waited weeks for this, man. <laughs> weeks. Smash royal Award. Trevor Lawrence, baby. Trevor Lawrence. We did it. We did it. <laughs> Finally, Trevor, the QB one
1: on the week. 36 only, points. Only took 11 weeks, Dave.
0: Only oh, took 11 weeks, man, after like a brutal, brutal week last week coming out of the bye. I think he had like two points last week. But this is what happens when ETN does not steal all the damn touchdowns. Thank you. Uh, Trevor Lawrence rushed for two touchdowns this time, and then he threw for an extra two in the air with another 262 yards to go with it. So four total touchdowns. Um, and one of the reasons of the stat line as well, not only was he getting obviously running more and, and around the goal line, but – Ridley was showing up. Ridley had a huge game and finally looked like the wide receiver one that we thought he was after week one. He had the two touchdowns that Trevor Lawrence threw. So if Ridley can start ascending to that wide receiver one that every quarterback, you need that guy. Like that's really what levels people up is having that wide receiver one. And he can start running around a bit more. Trevor Lawrence is going to get back into the top 10. Again, Dynasty, I've never wavered on him being a top-ten quarterback, but this was a huge, 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 huge bounce-back game for him, and I'm hoping they continue to rely more on him than just the ground game going forward. But
1: my boy, Trevor Lawrence, we're
0: back! We're back!
1: (laughs) Yeah, it was definitely a huge week for him. He looked good. Uh, I know you've been waiting all season for that.
0: Oh, and joke—that's why really the reason Joey's not on the pod. He yeah. knew that. He he looked at the show dog. He's like, "Nah, I'm not coming." Out.
1: <laughs> he knew that would be talked about, and he couldn't be on the pod. Couldn't do it. So, couldn't smart do it. man. Smart man. <laughs>
0: smart
1: man. Uh, but I'm going to actually talk about another quarterback who I'm giving the Smash Williams Award to. I actually went with Justin Herbert. I feel like we've talked about Keenan Allen a bit, but we really haven't talked about Justin Herbert and he, I feel like kind of quietly is the QB three on the year. Uh, he had 31 fantasy points, 260 yards, two touchdowns through the air. Also a rush for 73 yards. He did have a fumble. Uh, but as Dave was going to talk about later, he actually led the team in rushing. So mm-hmm. he's been having a great couple weeks. The last two weeks, he was the QB two in week 10 QB three in week 11. He's had over 30 fantasy points in three of the last four weeks. So you know you're getting the production pretty much week after week, and like I said, he's QB three on the year, uh, and we haven't really talked about it too much. So, a uh, huge performance for him, and you're having a huge year if you have him on your team.
0: Yeah, and honestly, he was someone I think a lot of people were high on because you know they had um, the the weapons, but the, the reason why they're really showing up to is the defense sticks. The defense is like constantly losing, uh, games for these Chargers. Like Herbert's doing his, his part. I think they lost Bosa, uh, at, midway through that game, but the head coach Brandon Staley is also in the hot seat right now. Cause this has been the MO for the chargers. They, they lead early on and they lose games at the end.
1: Um, yeah, yeah. I think, I think they're four and six so that, you know, real life football, they're actually not doing too great, but fantasy wise, if you have Justin Herbert and Keenan Allen, you've been happy.
0: Yeah, and it's also not helping that guys like Quinton Johnson, the rookie who we've talked about before, who I think kind of stinks, if really stinks. He dropped like, right. a game-winning touchdown for them. He was wide open and would have won the game for them. And, he, yeah, he's just got to give Herbert a little bit more help. Mike Williams going down didn't help, and we'll get into more of his weapons later. But Herbert himself is doing everything he possibly can.
1: Yeah, for sure. He's looked great.
0: Yeah, but – Moving on, uh, we'll, we'll, Ron, Ron, let's have you jump in actually on uh, who your he's all that award is going to go to.
1: Yeah. So I gave my he's all that award to Brian Robinson, not to be confused with John Robinson, who <laughs> I know we've talked a ton about, but he's just turned into a solid depth piece who, you know, has been a stud if you have him on your team. Uh, it was a rough day for the Commanders, who had, I believe it was six total turnovers and lost to the Giants, who are also a disaster. But They, they can't
0: beat the Giants. It's, it's, it's yeah. Mean. I
1: don't know why. <laughs> it's crazy. But, but B-Rob finished with 15 fantasy points still, 73 yards, and more importantly, he had seven catches on nine targets for 58 yards. Um, I know Gibson was out, but it's encouraging to see Robinson getting the targets regardless. And... Whether he may actually be a stud or not, he's quietly become the RB4 on the year, which I feel like it's pretty crazy for him to be that high uh, top five running back this season. He was drafted as a depth piece, and man, you have been rewarded if you have him on your team. He's averaging 19 points a game. Uh, so I felt like it was time
0: for him to get an award as well. Uh, I, I agree. And the thing that's changed for him, you saw it last week. And you mentioned it. It's the targets and the receptions. Like going like into the season and all last season, he was the the two down back, the guy who was getting all the all the work on the ground. And Gibson was supposed to be the receiving back. Um, and Gibson played, I believe, last week. He was hurt, so he missed this week. But last week he played, and Robinson still had six receptions for uh, for 119 yards and a touchdown. A lot of it on one big uh, reception, but. They're now looking at him and che- and Howell's checking down to him and, and they're actually throwing a little bit more downfield to him. If he's going to get that, that's going to raise his floor so much higher with that type of targets uh, count. So like no matter what, he's the, you're getting half a point for a reception every catch is worth more than a rush and you're usually already pat not always but usually past the line of scrimmage if you're catching them so you're getting points already added to that so yeah if, if he's going to be this involved in the pass game you got to start viewing him as a top 15 back and obviously he's already a top five on the year so pretty impressive
1: yeah for sure like you said it, targets are huge for a running back and you know we've seen it time and time again the pass catching running backs become more and more valuable and Uh, he's getting those targets now, so we'll see how he finishes the year, but regardless, he's had a huge year.
0: Yeah, and uh, another guy who's uh, stepping up and having a a big year, and this, this guy's career has been a bit of a roller coaster, but I don't think anyone has drafted Brendan Ayuk this year thinking that he would be their wide receiver one. He's probably more of your wide receiver three when you're building your team in most leagues, but this guy's Legit, and he's fulfilling on that fir- uh, first-round draft capital that the San Francisco 49ers put onto him a few years back. This week, he was the wide receiver four, uh, and he's the wide receiver 14 on the year Putting up after putting up five for 156 in a touchdown this week. Just explosive game. Uh, he The one thing is he doesn't really demand a target share. You want every wide receiver one. It's kind of just like part of the offense that they have in San Francisco. They don't throw a ton. And this does result in potentially more volatility that you'd like out of your wide receiver one. But as I mentioned, he's probably your wide receiver two or three on your team putting up big, uh, big weeks. But the targets that he get are just more valuable than you would get on uh, other teams. They love to set the run and do a run, uh, run the play action and hit him on a deep shot, um, which he's. Typically open for and this has been a trend over the past five weeks seeing his yards per target increase each week he went from 7.6 to 9.5 to 12.1 to 18.3 to now 26 this past week and this isn't a fluke either he started the year with this trend. he had 16.1 a week one and 24.7 a week three. Uh, this is the formula that works for San Francisco, and he's absolutely their true wide receiver one. And dynasty, a guy who I'd be trying to get if if there was any discount available still, because I think he's still on the rise. And the thing you like to see also about San Francisco is this past week, their targets were basically just to their four main weapons. It went to Kittle, it went to CMC, it went to IUC, it went to Debo. Like no one else had a catch on that team, and you love to see that concentration of targets.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's looked great all year. We actually tried to get him off Canales a couple weeks ago, but Canales was pretty hard uh, on him being part of the rebuild, like you said. Uh, But yeah, I mean, he's also connected to Brock Purdy, who has turned out to be a great quarterback, uh, and he's on a great team. So yeah, going forward, he should be a solid piece
0: to have on your team. Yeah, absolutely love him. But moving on to the Doug Flutie Hail Mary Ward, I'm gonna let's start with you because these next two guys were pivotal in my matchup that I had with Joe this past week. Which again, oh, yeah. another reason Joe probably wasn't on the pot. I beat him this week in our league. But, but Joe had reasons. So many reasons. But Joe had the guy that you're about to speak about. Yeah. Uh, so
1: I'm about to talk about a Buffalo Bills receiver. You would think it would potentially be Stefan Diggs, but it is not. Uh, The Doug Flutie-Hell-Mary Award is going to Khalil Shakur. Uh, He finished with three catches, which is not great, but he had 115 yards and a touchdown. Most of it came on an 85-yard touchdown catch. That'll Uh, do it. That'll that'll do do it. it. (laughs) But the Bills have a new offensive coordinator, Joe Brady, so it's encouraging to see him getting involved with a new guy calling the shots. It was a career best performance, but if you were fortunate enough to start him uh, in your flex, you were rewarded. Uh, It's interesting to note too that since week seven, he's had at least four targets in every game except one. And prior to week seven, he had literally zero or one target each of the first six games. So he's been a lot more involved. You know, If you're involved in a passing attack with Josh Allen and the Bills, that's a great thing right now. So if his usage stays up and he stays in the four to five target range, he could be a decent flex option moving forward. And like you said, Joe was fortunate enough to start him, so he did actually get the production out of him, although it
0: didn't pay off in the end. I know. Joe, And I'll give Joe credit. He, tr- I believe, actually traded up later in our start of draft to get Shakir, so he definitely saw the upside there. And when he that 81-yard touchdown was at the end of the game, and I was like, now I'm toast. Cause I, I was projected to win. And once that happened, I was no longer was projected to win. I was like, you gotta be kidding me. Shakir against Jets is the one that breaks off this run. <laughs> um, and he had, he also had another guy who ripped up a, a long run that I'm going to speak about in a, in a minute or two. So I was like, this is, you got to be kidding me. This, this team's blown up. But fortunately my award to the hail Mary stepped up for me on Monday night to save my week and win my matchup. Um, and that's Justin Watson. Um, Starting any wide receiver for the Chiefs, and I think many of us know, that is just a Hail Mary in itself. Um, It's an absolute crapshoot in Kansas City this year. And the fact that this was, as I mentioned, the Monday night football game, and if your matchup, like mine, as I mentioned, depended on it, then you're, again, throwing up a Hail Mary. You just need someone to, to get some points for you. Uh, and though also, the weather was brutal there. But fortunately, he did. And he did it early. And he did it somewhat often. And he scored the first touchdown of the game, which automatically put me in the lead, which, thank God, I didn't have to sweat out. Um, and he didn't stop there. He ended up ending the game going 5 for 53 and a touchdown on 11 targets. He was the clear-cut wide receiver one this week. I'm not saying he's going to be that going forward, but this past week, it was clear-cut wide receiver one. He had more targets than Kelsey. And I do think this was actually more based up on the matchup and and what they saw against the Eagles. The Eagles were blanketing Kelsey all night long um, and also catching only five uh, receptions on 11 targets. Not really the best ratio you want to see there. Um, But again, the weather was rough, and he did have a couple drops. But that being said, they were they were drawing up plays for Watson on some deep passes. He may have ran the wrong route on one of them, um, but he was still he's always been on the field a ton this year, um, and no one has run away with that top wide receiver job in KC yet. So I'll be keeping an eye on him this upcoming week to see if he gets another healthy share of targets because he could become a more consistent flex option if so.
1: Yeah, like you said, we've been trying to figure out who that wide receiver one for the Chiefs is going to be. I feel like we've talked about, you know, Tony to start the year. Then it was Rice for a little bit. Now maybe it's Watson. It's always Kelsey, but, you know, who who that actual wide receiver one will be, we really don't know. But if you're lucky enough to start whoever it is that week, it probably pays off. Uh, Came up big. Yeah. <laughs> And five catches for 11 at this point is pretty much the standard for Chiefs wide receivers. Yeah. Uh, you know, no one can catch anything. I think, uh, what's his name, dropped like a game winning. Mark, yeah, uh, S Yeah, uh, game winning catch at the end. So, in the end zone, he that, was no, for 3. <laughs> yeah, no one can catch a pass there. Uh, yeah, for, so. 5 for 11 is actually good
0: when it comes to receivers there. <laughs> yeah, that's a good percentage wise for the, the yeah. Chiefs receivers. Yeah. Oh, brutal. But, Watson, thank you. Thank you for giving me that dub. Um, but it almost didn't happen because, as I mentioned, Joey had this other guy uh, who was on his team who has been a darling of mine, but it, let me set it up for you first because we're t- getting into our Ferrari for a trailer park award, so this is, you, you know, you're showing up despite a bad situation, team, matchup, whatever. This guy has it all. So if I told you you had to start a running back against the Browns D, you, that has been dominating, you probably would not be that excited. Maybe look for another option. If I told you it was going to be in an AFC North divisional matchup, which are typically ugly slugfests, you'd say, yeah, I'd rather pass. And finally, if I said that player would only get nine carries and was tied to the Steelers offense that would only put up 10 points, you might consider just not starting anyone in that roster spot. But, however, as I mentioned, Jalen Warren, who have been talking about since the preseason, keeps dominating. He looks like a top 20 running back moving forward and the clear-cut RB1 for the Steelers. On those nine carries that I mentioned, he went for 129 yards and a score. 74 yards on, a, uh, on one touchdown run there. But he also added three receptions for 16 yards through the air. And again, this is against a, a stout, stout defense that you try to avoid. Uh, and he ran with some intensity. He was stiff-arming people, th- tossing guys for extra yards. He's undoubtedly, no matter what, the matchup is a must-start moving forward. So despite all the, everything I just mentioned, this guy was an absolute Ferrari.
1: Yeah, and you mentioned it. The other side of the coin is Najee Harris, who had twelve carries for thirty-five yards. So, I think you know the Steelers might be recognizing that Warren is the better back, and maybe they'll start to go with him a little bit more going forward. And if they do, he looks like he'll have some huge numbers. So, definitely performing in the bit of the mess that is the Steelers right now.
0: Yeah, and uh, I want to pass
1: it to you though, Ry, because this (laughs) is
0: (laughs) this is it, man.
1: I got another team that is a bit of a disaster, uh, definitely <laughs> a, a trailer park, but we're talking about the Giants, and uh, their season is over. They've been a complete disaster. They were 2-8 and eight going into Week 11. I wish they were still 2 wins. Yeah, but they now sit at 3-8 and eight because of Syracuse's very own Tommy DeVito. Let's go, Syracuse. Go Orange. Syracuse is in the house. He finished with 246 yards and three touchdowns. And the win over the Commanders, he dropped a beautiful pass to Barkley. I know Mm -hmm. you commented on it, but it looked really good. Uh, His second full game, it was QB7 on the week. He'll likely get to finish out the season, and he may end up being someone you can throw in your super flex uh, with bye weeks and injuries piling up. So we'll see how he does the rest of the way, but it was a great game for him. And, you know, who knows? Maybe he can be in the Giants' future.
0: I, yeah. It, <laughs> I mean, I will say the content around DeVito is just hilarious. Uh, all these soprano memes are, are coming back up. He's even doing the Italian hand, like, yeah, when he's supposed to <laughs> touch down. Uh, he lives at home with his parents, though. Uh, like, it's the most Italian, New Jersey pr- uh, prototype you've ever <laughs> heard of before. It's amazing.
1: Yeah, no, it's definitely another cool story. I feel like there's been a couple of cool quarterback stories this year. Uh, and, you know, a well, stars hurts, hands, so it, <laughs>
0: Yeah, true. It's only stories like, oh, this guy coming from nowhere. Yeah, because everyone else who's, is yeah. in the IR right now. yeah, They've been performing, though, so it's crazy. It is. It's, it's absolutely nuts. It's cool seeing guys get these shots, too, because, yeah. you know we, we play, a, play a fantasy game and these guys like kind of dream about this, never thinking they get their shot and they're showing up when they do. So it's really cool to see. Yeah. That's oh, awesome. But then there are some guys
1: that are letting us down, Dave.
0: Yeah. Are. Are. Yeah. So this guy has, speaking of stories, this guy was undrafted, I believe. So he, he had a good story in itself, but it's seeming like it might be coming to an end somewhat soon. Uh, so Austin Eckler, he's playing against a bad run D in green Bay Packers. Uh, You just mentioned Najee stinks. Well, Najee last week ran for 82 yards and 5.1 yards a carry last week. Uh, So you're expecting going into this week that Eckler was going to have a monster game. And unfortunately, you came away very underwhelmed. He put up only six fantasy points, and that was on going – for 10 carries for 64 uh, yards on the ground. So you're thinking, oh, 6.4 yards a carry, not that bad, but he had one rush of 37 yards. You remove that, he was only nine yards per carry there. And again, only nine other touches from there. So you don't want to see 10 rushes because that's a scary low number. Herbert did rush a ton. He did go eight for 73. But you're thinking, okay, Eckler, not that many rushes. That's okay. He gets a lot of work through the air. This is pretty typical for him. Nope, not this week. He only had three targets, and that yielded two catches for six yards. Throw in the fact that he also lost a fumble. He just had an absolutely brutal day. Um, Also, though, if you watch it, he did not look like his explosive self. Uh, And you're starting to question now in his age 28 season, is the RB Cliff coming for him? And a guy like Eckler, you know it's going to come very quick. It's going to be steep, a a very steep drop-off. He was already a guy in Dynasty. If you have him, you're kind of trying to, if you're rebuilding, you're definitely trying to sell them to competing teams. But if you're even in the mix, you're, you're knowing like, Gosh, should I just ride this guy to the ground? Um, because you know, it's coming and it's, it's not going to be a surprise to anyone. However, I do think no matter what direction your team's going, you might want to start floating out offers to see if you can kind of flip them on the, his name value still, because that cliff might be happening come the playoffs and may not be able to get you to that chip. So, When uh, when the cliff comes to these running backs, it comes quick, and and honestly, this game was a massive letdown, and it's starting to have me concerned. Yeah, and it's interesting, because we talked about his
1: quarterback, Justin Herbert, earlier, who's been looking amazing and dominating and putting up huge fantasy numbers, so it wasn't a big down game for Eckler. He usually does catch a lot of passes. I think he will rebound a little bit there. I think he probably can get the rest of the year out of him, but like you said, it's definitely a little bit concerning, and most likely going forward, his value is going to start to drop at some point here soon.
0: Yeah, but one guy whose value is impossible to predict, and I just don't think I could ever start him again, is, uh, is your award winner here.
1: <laughs> yeah, and, and I gave him the old nickname, Gabe Guse- <laughs> yes. Jesus, Not only did he finish with zero fantasy points, he didn't receive a single target in week 11. You checked the box
0: score, you're like, did he play?
1: <laughs> I literally had to look it up because I thought I missed something. I thought maybe he got injured, but nope, he played 88% of the snap. <laughs> Jesus um,
0: Christ, I not going to target?
1: <laughs> not a single target. He's the wide receiver too. Josh Allen had a great week. The Bills looked good. It's just been a roller coaster for Davis owners. He had 12 targets in week nine uh, for 19 fantasy points or in week eight. Followed that up with a goose egg in week nine. Then he had six targets for eight fancy points in week 10, and he followed that up with a goose egg in week 11. So you're likely starting him unless you have a deep bench, but you really don't feel good about it going forward. And, you know, we've talked about some other guys that if you have them, maybe you throw in to, you know, overtake Davis in your lineup because you may be getting a goose egg.
0: Yeah, you, like... You keep him on your team because you there aren't t- many players that can put up 102 any given week. And he can, but like, he can also, as you know, put up nothing. And he is the type of guy where you're like, I'm the dog here. I just need an upside shot knowing that like the floor is zero and you just throw them in and you hope for the best, but God, that is just brutal.
1: Yeah. It really depends what you need from them. If you're going for that home run, you throw them in your lineup. But if you have someone on your bench that you know can get you five to 10 points and you're competing, you might start to consider putting that person in over Davis
0: because there's a real chance you end up with zero. Yeah. It's, it's thanks too. Cause you like, as I mentioned, you can't drop him, so he's just burning a roster spot. You're terrified to start him. Um, and, like, even if you trade, like, I don't even know what you could get in a trade for him uh, at all. Like, he, he has yeah. to be packaged as maybe a sweetener, just be like, oh, hey, you know, your bench stinks. Here, take this upside shot. Or it's more like, please, I don't want to think about starting him anymore. Please take him off my hands to save me from the mental <laughs> yeah. struggle.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think it might be more that it's someone's just going to get sick of him, want him off their roster, and take what they can get because most people aren't going to be buying him right now.
0: No, 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 not at all. But another wide receiver who I'm uh, beginning to sour on completely. Uh, I wasn't that high on coming into the uh, the year, but Marquise Hollywood Brown. Uh, starting to think he's maybe not that guy, and that's why I'm giving him the you're not that guy award. Uh, he had only 2.2 points on two for 18 this week on five targets. And that's after last week, he went one for 28 on four targets. He hasn't eclipsed 50 yards since week five. He is just the wide receiver 34 in the year, and his best finish on any week so far is the wide receiver 17. Some of this was attributed to quarterback play earlier in the season. Granted, some of those Dobbs was looking great, but he did have a couple of clean tune. But you were thinking when Kyler comes back, it's going to fix things. But that's Kyler has been back the past two weeks, and then you have not seen an uptick in his production at all. If anything, he's taken a step back. This past week, Greg Dortch and Trey McBride had more targets. Last week, McBride, Rondell Moore, and Michael Wilson had more targets. And also this past week, Michael Wilson did not play, so he still might be behind him on the pecking order there. And I will say Murray does look a bit rusty throwing the ball, and um, but it doesn't seem like Hollywood is beating defenses the way he has uh, in previous years. And I was listening to this other pod, and they were mentioning that Hollywood historically has been better at beating man coverage. That's really where he's made his money on. But the league this past year has kind of made a shift more to playing zone coverage more so, which is why you see guys like Puka Nakua, who's more of a zone beater, excelling this year. And that shift has negatively impacted Hollywood clearly. Uh, Looking beyond this year, too, he's a free agent uh, going into the offseason. And I'm not sure they bring him back, especially because they're going to have a high draft pick and they may draft one of the very, very talented rookie wide receivers coming in. Um, And wherever he signs, I don't think he's going to be a team's wide receiver one either. This is a guy who... Coming to year, had the potential to be a top 15 wide receiver in Dynasty, but honestly, I think the floor might be falling out beneath him pretty quickly. So no longer that guy, I'd be trying to get out from him if I could. Yeah, I, I definitely agree
1: with you giving him that award. I was higher on him. I thought he would have a great year. And like you said, it was blamed on the quarterback play, but now – Looking at the quarterback, it was Dobbs who's actually having a great year. So you can't blame it too much on that. And now Murray's back and I think owners thought with Murray back they'd see an instant uptick. It hasn't happened yet. Maybe it comes, but you're running out of time here and with him being a free agent next year, it's definitely up in the air, uh on his you know, situation going forward. So
0: definitely not great. Yeah, I mean if he wherever he signs it. He'll be at best the wide receiver two on that team too, so who, know, who knows where he goes. Yeah, and then
1: uh, I'm going to give it to a quarterback who we also talked a, a little bit about the Steelers, but Kenny Pickett is my you're not that guy, and he's I don't bad. believe he's won the award yet, but he definitely deserved it after week 11. He threw for 99 yards and zero touchdowns. This might be I mean, the Pickett Award. Yeah, we might have to change it. <laughs> yeah. uh, although, I don't know. It, it was the Mac Jones Award it before. I still kind of stick by sure. that. But, <laughs> uh, but Kenny Pickett has thrown for one touchdown over the last five games combined. He's averaging nine points a game as a quarterback. It's been rough for him, although somehow the Steelers are six and four, which. Uh, you know, it's kind of crazy. And like you said, they actually had a chance to win the game in week 11. It's all Tomlin.
0: It's all Tomlin. <laughs> yeah,
1: it's definitely not Pickett. Um, yeah. uh, the Steelers did just fire Matt Canada. So maybe we'll see some type of improvement there from Pickett. Uh, but as of right now, he doesn't look like a startable NFL quarterback and definitely is not a startable fantasy quarterback.
0: Yeah, I mean – foreign Canada was like I don't know eight weeks overdue uh, I don't think I don't think he's gonna take a step back that guy had no imagination uh, and it's been hurting the rest of the wide receiver quarters. I think Pickens alone will probably benefit the most by the Canada firing but yeah, yeah Pickett doesn't look good uh, he look he looks like a career backup uh, if, if I had to say so myself. Knowing as a Giants fan what those look like.
1: <laughs> yeah. Although you have DeVito now, so you can't really say that anymore, you know? You use the backup. The- We've seen a lot of backups this year from <laughs> yeah, it. it's true. Um, but yeah, Pickett just hasn't looked great. So
0: Yeah. Not not great. But yeah, those were the awards. Uh, man, we always have a sour now. I gotta, I gotta figure out a way to transition better on a positive note than that. But we are gonna dive into our a little updates on our league. Uh, as I mentioned, we're we're getting towards the end of the uh, the regular season for Dynasty, but this upcoming week is our trade deadline, so we have one more week to get trades in, but you've already started to see a flurry of trades coming through. We had three this past week. We're going to hit on some of them. So the first trade that we had in our league, it was a pretty big one, one that uh, honestly I was a little upset because I was discussing with both these teams the key piece of these uh, trades on my own, and they both led me on, and then... Traded with each other instead, but it was Scott traded Brees Hall in the 2024 third uh, to Harry and Harry and uh, to Harry and Dan and Harry Dan traded Geno Smith, Keenan Allen, and a 2024 second, which will be Dan and Harry's which show. It should be actually pretty early 2024
1: second. So, Rod, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, pretty big trade. Uh, I know we had talked to Dan and Harry about Keenan Allen a little bit. I knew they were trying to ship him, so I'm not surprised to see the trade happen, but. I think on paper, I would favor Scott a little bit. He gave up Brees Hall, but he's moving up around in 2024. And like you said, it should be a pretty early second round pick. And then he's getting Keenan Allen and Geno Smith. Um, you know, Geno Smith did pick up an injury and you know, maybe doesn't play this week. But going forward, he's a serviceable quarterback. Keenan Allen has been dominating the targets for the Chargers. And we've just talked about Justin Herbert a bunch. So I like him there. And then the Jets, like we talked about, it's just a disaster situation. So Hall just hasn't had the value that he would have, but obviously you're trading for him on the hope that it turns around next year and going forward.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I love this trade overall, and it's like there's big names, but it makes sense for both teams. Uh, and there's a lot of value here, and it's it's fun to see a, a trade of this size. Like For Scott, I, Scott has been going forward all year long, and I have so much respect for it. And the guy has – the quarterback luck that he's had has just been brutal because, like, he gets yeah. – he traded for Kirk Cousins. He's hadn't done for years. Gets Geno Smith. He might miss this pivotal week. We'll see what happens there. Hopefully he gets in still. But the key, this trade for this past week won him the week because he got Keen Allen, who had a huge week and only won by, like, two points or less. Uh And Keen Allen is – honestly, this year, it's got to be, like, a top five wide receiver for the year. So this is a big, big play there. And he is getting an early draft pick because he's giving away Brees Hall – and, like, Ke- Gen- Geno Smith and Keenan Allen aren't long-term dynasty assets. They should be okay for at least next year, so it's not like they're nothing. But Brees Hall is, like, a top three, top five dynasty running back young. Um, obviously, Dan is a, uh, a Jets fan, so he's want- wanted to get him real bad. But next year he should be, hopefully, a better season for the Jets or at least Brees Hall. But, honestly, this year, like – Keen Allen's going to score more points than Priest Hall is probably every single week, uh, unless Priest rips off a long one. And getting Geno Smith with that was huge. Scott obviously has an uphill battle, but he has he definitely has a path to getting into the playoffs. So I like this move for both teams.
1: Yeah. And it's like you said, you love to see it because Scott has not given up. He just keeps making the trades, keep yeah. going for the quarterbacks. So we'll see what happens. I hope it works out for both of them. Uh, but yeah, big trade.
0: Yeah, it was huge. And then the big trades didn't stop. This one was uh, pretty late at night. Um, I think uh, some people were probably at a bar when this one went down. I was about <laughs> to get into bed myself, but uh, so Crope traded. He traded away Justin Fields, he, Cole Commit, and Roshan Johnson, just basically the Bears' offense, uh, and as well as a 2024 20, second and a 2025 20, first to Clark Sauce, and who they traded away: Tyler Lockett, Debo Samuel, Kenneth Walker, and Will Levis, and. This was before the this past week the game started. Obviously, this is a a win now versus a play for next year type of move. But, Ryan, what are your thoughts on this one?
1: Yeah, I mean, there's a lot going on in this trade. I think you know it makes sense for both. Clark seems kind of like they're moving to tanking, and Krope is definitely trying to go for it this year. Uh, giving up the Bears, you know based on this year is definitely not a bad idea. They just have looked like a mess. Uh, Justin Fields looks okay here and there, but not even sure he's the long-term answer. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. But, you know, Clark sauce did get a, a first round and a second round pick. Um, so I think it makes sense on the other side of it. You know, Lockett has been performing pretty well. Depot Samuel pretty well. Walker, uh, you know, injured now, but has looked great uh, otherwise. And then he's just getting Will Levis, I'm assuming, to replace Justin Fields in case he needs a quarterback, who has had his ups and downs as well. So it's an interesting trade.
0: Yeah, I was pretty surprised by it too, because I I was actually targeting from Clarksville all three guys except for Will Levis, because... At this point, especially going into the playoffs and there's a couple buys coming up, you just want to like beef up like your depth at wide receiver and running backs just for the flex and make sure you're getting guys who can be productive. And these are all pretty high producing uh, players. And I mean, Cole commit solid. It's tight end premium. He's he's OK, but he's more a boomer bust. Roshan Johnson, I don't really think is anything. Um, and Justin Fields, like he's. Definitely going to be better than Will Levis, I think, this year. But as I mentioned, don't know what his future looks like. And Will Levis seems like he's going to be at least the quarterback to next year as well. And he has some potential. He doesn't. He he has some flaws, but I, it, he does show, uh, flash some ability to throw some bombs uh, accurately. So that's pretty exciting to see. So I liked it. Like right when it happened, I like the trade for for Croke, But I do get the motivation for sauce now. Obviously. Crope got a little unfortunate, at least for a week or two, with Kenneth Walker going down, who is probably the highest upside player in that trade firm. But Kroop also has a pretty dominant team, and I'm uh, I'm pretty terrified of having to close out the season playing against him. But pretty pretty big trade, and it's again, it's it's fun to see the teams going for it and the teams that aren't going for it, rebuilding and and really giving up some pretty massive value, which was very different than the final trade this week, um, which was all you know low value trash. It was Dan and Harry traded away their beloved jet, Zach Wilson, to Schluter, who uh, traded a 2024 third. So not a lot of value here. But again, this was before the game started and before the eventual benching of Zach Wilson. But Ryan, why don't you give me your thoughts? I mean,
1: give it to Dan and Harry. They literally could not have traded him at a better time. It worked out perfectly for them. But yeah, from shooter's side, you know, he had Lamar Jackson. He has Le- Brock Purdy as a starters. He had Huntley in case something happened to Jackson. He has Darnold. He has Walker. He has Mullen. So I guess he felt like he needed a, another depth piece at QB, but I don't think anyone thought Wilson would be a starter next year. So you're giving up a third round pick for depth the rest of this year. I don't fully get that. I think uh, Dan and Harry, I mean, obviously now they definitely won the trade, but Schluter loves to trade. So you got to give him credit for always trying to make something yeah. happen. I,
0: I think the, and I, I didn't talk to Schluter about it, but I think the main uh, factor is Lamar has a week 13 bye, and Schluter knows he's trying to win out in these divisional matchups. So I think he just wanted a depth piece to throw into his like second quarterback. But Purdy is his QB2, and that's a great combination. But, yeah, he's going to be down a quarterback. And I think he's playing you that week too. So uh, that will be uh, a, a, t- a tough matchup. But you don't have to worry about playing Zach Wilson. Or maybe you would have preferred yeah, to. I, don't I, know. I was going to
1: say, it might have been a benefit to play Zach Wilson. But, yeah. uh, no, I mean, uh, he also only gave up the third. I mean, third-round picks are generally dart throws anyways. So it's not going to hurt him long term.
0: And honestly, Zach Wilson just seems like a guy who just keeps getting chances. Uh, so I wouldn't be shocked to see him start again at some point. Um but obviously I don't think it'll be by week 13. You never know though. I, I, I feel like we have not seen it uh, last of him. He just he won't go away. I don't know why, but there's yeah. just certain quarterbacks just won't go away.
1: Yeah. I mean, he's being replaced by
0: Tim Boyle. So there's definitely
1: a chance that that. Yeah. I mean, like,
0: no, I, although I did think they made Zach Wilson, the emergency QB three for this week, which I, I didn't get to hear what Sal was talking about it yet. I saw it right before we started uh, recording, but that, uh, that's quite the blow to the ego, so we'll see. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Oh, man. But moving on, we uh, give a quick update on the high and low score. So high score this past week, back-to-back weeks go to Chris Canellas. He put up 164.26. And the low score, so close, Rye, so, so close. The Laporta two-point conversion is what put it over. Uh, Adam Code and Katz put up 64.98 points, less than two points more than the week low score set in week one. And now we got three weeks left, and that record is still being held by our man Ryan here.
1: Yeah, I think we're in trouble now. That was our shot. Uh, they had Justin Jefferson in who didn't play. Uh, hey, Davis. They had a couple goose eggs. It was – the
0: entire
1: negative section that we just read off was <laughs> yeah, pretty much it was looking like a, we had a good shot to be supplanted but uh, they they just beat us so i think we're in trouble now i think next week there's a bunch of buys i think that's our last real shot yeah. to have someone
0: uh, I mean beat us. I want to point out how low of a score that was week because like think of all the things that just happened and he still just edged it out like you need a lot you need the whole team to go bad.
1: I literally think he had two or three goose eggs. So yeah, uh, yeah I know it's and I don't feel like week one our team was that bad. We literally started Josh Allen,
0: Jalen Hurts, like kind of crazy that it. Went I don't think that I think low. each of them had like below like. It was the, the lowest they've had all year. So. Yeah, I think they combined for like under 20 points the two. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's crazy. So yeah, we're in trouble. Yeah, yeah, you uh you are. But <laughs> moving on, keeping it in the league. We're gonna give a quick update. Uh, cause now as we mentioned, it's we're going into the divisional matchups to close out the season, and the winner of each division gets a plow spot. So we're gonna say predict what we think the uh final division order is gonna end in. So we're going to go through from the first division, which is uh, we renamed from division one to team mandated male masseuses because uh, Deshaun Watson is in this division. Um, and Ron, why don't you tell me first what you think the order of this division is going to finish as?
1: Well, I'll start with the bottom because that's where Deshaun Watson is. Uh, right. I, I think uh, fourth Our place bottom. will be Harry and Dan. What's under the towel. Uh, the first place, I'm going to give it to you, Dave. I think you have a two-game lead, three games left. You should have a real good shot to take first place in your league. The jinx is in. Yeah, and then <laughs> the middle is is real tough. I think it's going to be super, super close. They're playing each other this week, so it's a huge, huge matchup. I'm going to give the slight edge to Scott and say Scott finishes second, Crope finishes third just edges them out at the end. But I think a lot of it all comes down
0: to their matchup this week. First of all, you can't talk about edging in this division, um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but uh, no, I, I agree. I'm very much in line with you. I have myself in first more. So just again, because of that lead. Um, so like, I could still – it's not a guarantee, but more things have to go wrong. So I keep myself in first, and I have Heron Den at the bottom. So it comes down to Crope and Scott. Right now I have Crope coming in second and Scott in third. And it, it comes down to really this week. I think if Scott wins this week, I think, that, as you mentioned, there's a good chance that Scott comes out in second. But it's all going to come down to is Geno Smith and Cooper Cut going to play. Um, if they play, I think he has a pretty good chance to win. If they don't, it's going He still can obviously win, but it's going to be a tougher uphill battle for him. But um, we'll see how that comes out. But this is going to be a very, very close finish. And both these teams are looking very strong to close out the season, which I hate because they're my last two games of the year.
1: Yeah, it's going to be a crazy three weeks for that division. I think the top and the bottom are pretty good, but the
0: middle is very up in the air. Slugfest. So we'll see. But moving on to Division Two, this is your division. So I'll jump in first and uh, see where what you think. So uh, in fourth place, I have Joey uh, coming in, although he he gave me almost everything I could handle this past week. He, and he had, was missing Pittman and Bajan. So he's definitely, even though he's coming in fourth, that's just based on his current, uh, I think he only has two wins. I wouldn't be confident for any of you guys that are playing against him because he definitely put up points now. Uh, in third place, I have Adam Cohen and Katz, who are currently sitting on top and been in first place all year, but they have the least amount of uh, points for right now and only have a game lead, and I think they're going to slide down in, if they lose a couple games to, uh, to close out the season. Second place, I have the Wilkinson Bros uh, sliding up uh, out of the, the third place spot that they've been in for a decent amount of the year. They've been rising up. I think you've been on a win streak up until this past two weeks. so yeah. see where that goes. But I have Schluter finally getting out of the muck. We always thought he was one of the strong teams that have him finally getting in first place. he's He's got the points for it. so if it's if it's the same record, he's gonna get that tiebreaker. Uh, and he looks like he's kind of clicking on all cylinders now when it matters. But what do you think, Ray?
1: Yeah, I did go with the same order. I think that's kind of how it's gonna end up. Like you said, you know Joe, I actually do agree with you. I don't want to play his team right now, but unfortunately, he only has two wins, so he's going to finish last, and Mm -hmm. the tank is on for him. The top top three, I I do still think anything can happen. I agree. It's close, but I, I think Schluter does finally take over first. He hasn't been in first all year. I think he's got the team, though, to do that. And then I think it's going to be real close between us and Adam and Katz, but I do think we'll hopefully take it by having a little bit more points for.
0: Yeah. And I think, are you, I think you're playing Adam this week. So I think it's a big big week
1: week too. Yeah. Um, yeah.
0: If he wins it, then I think he's going to, he has a a good shot to keep the title in that division. And it would make it obviously harder for you to, to like get to the wild card, but uh, yeah, the, the top three could finish up in any order. It wouldn't surprise me.
1: Yeah, for sure. We are playing them this week. Their team's been in free fall, but they do get Jefferson back this week. So we'll
0: see. Well, week Week thirteen is rough for all three because Jefferson's on by. You have Josh yeah. Allen on by, and Schuler yep. has uh, Lamar on by. And I think Week thirteen, you're playing Schuler as I mentioned too. So you're yeah. both without your top quarterback.
1: Yeah, anything can happen in this one still.
0: Yeah, that, this is going to be interesting to see. And then uh, the final division, um, I'll jump in first. Uh, so, in fourth place, I have Clark Sauce. Uh, they're, they're selling out, so I don't think that surprises anyone. Third place, Canelos. Uh, I, I mentioned this in the league. I, he has an, an outside shot to still make the playoffs, but he has to win out and have a couple other things go his way uh, and win big because I think he has to make up some points scored. But as I mentioned, he's been the top scorer the past two weeks, and his team is clicking all, all cylinders and no major buys going forward. Second place, I have Kaffer and Mike Kaffer and Mike Williams, and this is purely because the top team, Verzinsky Bros, uh, when they play each other, they're playing in week 13, and Mike Kaffer and Mike Williams are going to be missing a ton of key players um, in that matchup. So I think the Verzinsky Bros are going to win that matchup, and that's going to be the defining, uh, defining week for this division
1: yeah, I have it similar, but I did make a one switch. like you said, Clark Sauce in fourth. They are tanking and you know don't really seem to be planning on making the playoffs. Canellis, like you said, we saw it firsthand this week. Uh, he put up the top score. His mm-hmm. team is actually on fire right now, but unfortunately at four and seven, he's got to win out and he would need one of the top two teams to lose out. So most likely won't make the playoffs. so I'll put him in third. And then I flopped the uh, first and second. I'm going with Mike Dexter as a god finishing first and Dan's team finishing second. I think it's going to be close, um, but I like Mike Dexter as a god's team. I think they're going to pull it out here. Um, yeah, it's so a strong we'll team. See. I
0: think they have the most points in the, the
1: they division. They do. They have the most yeah. points for – they're tied for record right now. Obviously, the week they play each other will be huge, but uh, I'm giving the slight edge to them there.
0: Yeah, all right, well, that means uh, for you, well, we'll jump into you first, the The automatic bids into playoffs is going to be myself, Schluter, and Kafer, my calf or Mike Williams getting the the top three bids. Who are your three wildcard teams you think are going to get in?
1: So first wildcard team, Dan's team. I think if they do lose out to the Mikes, I think they make it as the first wildcard spot. So I think either one of them is going to end up there pretty easily. And then the second and third wild cards are close. I decided yes. to say that it's going to be team Scott Rapazzotti and team Craig Kropa. I actually think both of them might make it all from division team mandate male masseuses. Uh, I think it could be us and Adam and Katz looking outside, but we'll see. It's going to be close between the four of us.
0: Yeah, uh, I agree. And getting into it as a reminder of the, the three automatic bids that I have. I have myself, I have Schluter, and the Brzezinski bros. So the only difference here is the Division Three bid. But for the first wild card, because I think Krope's going to uh, end up beating Scott if Geno Smith and Cup are out – I think Krupp's going to be the first wildcard team in there. And honestly, if he wins this week, I I don't think, I think there's still an outside shot. He wins the division, but I I think he has a lot of points. He's dominating most of the year. He's had a little bit of a lull the past week, but I think his team is going to start ramping up again and he would get the first wildcard spot. Second one, I'm, going to be putting Kaffer and uh, Williams in. I, I think it's pretty much a lock that the top two teams from Division Three are going to be in the playoffs, um, so I don't think there's any question there. And then the third wild card spot, it's going to really just come down to points. Um, I think I think there's going to be a lot of people with the same record or, or maybe a game off, but I'm giving it to you the Wilkinson bros right now. I, I do think... Uh, you get it. It's going to be a battle in Division II, but I, I think if if Kroop wins this week, it's going to knock Scott too far down. I think you'll have a game up on him, so the points won't matter at that point. And then I think you'll get the edge over uh, Adam Cohen and Kat. So I think you'll sneak in on that final playoff spot, um, but it's going to be close. It's definitely going to be a, a high-tense battle to close out the season.
1: Yeah, I think like you mentioned, the game between Scott and Crope is actually really huge for us as well because if Scott somehow does slide into that second position in your league, then Croak could take the wild card spot from us because he does have more points than us. So exactly. it's a big week uh for them and for us.
0: Yeah, and and me, because if if Scott wins and if I'm able to get a win, I automatically win my division. And I don't I still want to win the last games because I want that buy Um, but it will lock me into the playoffs in the top three seed. So the stress begins this week, so we'll see. Uh, any other thoughts you have on the on this on our league or the season going forward?
1: Not really. Just a big week for fantasy, like we said. A lot of top teams are playing each other. That's going to have some pretty big playoff implications. So I'm excited to see how it plays out. And then, you know, week wise, Thanksgiving week. I hope everyone enjoys Thanksgiving and we all get to watch some football during it. So it's well, it's always good.
0: I agree. We're all off on, like, the Black Friday uh, game. Obviously, the Jets kind of stink uh, versus the Dolphins. But it is nice that, like, you get kind of a game almost every single day. You get a little low on Saturday to, to recoup, uh, But it, it's going to be fun having four days of football out of five <laughs> weekdays. Uh, so very excited for that. But, again, good luck in your matchup, find a playoff push. And reminder in our league, the trade deadline is this week. Uh, so get those trades in. And if you're listening from another league, Make sure that you're being aggressive and trying to get into that playoff. So, thank you for listening to the pod. Hope you enjoyed. Uh, and good luck in your matchups. And have a happy, happy Thanksgiving. Podcast.